Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Service radio. Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm ready. We're, we're gonna get started. Welcome to the Interloop Radio, broadcasting live on full service radio from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm Rachel Kuntz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. And for all of our loyal listeners out there, don't forget to leave us a review telling the world how much you love us. And for any new listeners out there here on the Interloop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, what makes a great ghost story, or how to construct the perfect sonnet, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. We play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series, and we invite a few of those writers to join our discussion. Indeed. And for Reuters. today's show, <laughs> I'm calling today's show, Get Back to Work. Oh, laying Brutal. the smack down. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fall, uh, summer shenanigans are over and students are back to school and it's time for writers to get back to the page. Isn't that what, so, didn't we just tell everyone that's what summer was for? Right. Summer residences, right? You're supposed Every to be writing now. Writing. <laughs> All season is writing season. But I feel like the fall, you just get this Paul comes over you, you know, it just, you know, we never grow out of that, uh, you know, uh, back to school thing. So it's just kind of ingrained in us that like, oh, it's time to be busy even when you're like a hundred years out of school, but. I don't know. I'm I'm never out of school. (laughs) That's right. Courtney's in a PhD program. Um, but I think you're right. Like We've been doing the back-to-school thing since, well, my daughter's in school, yeah. and she's two, less than two. Right, so even if you're not doing it, the world around you is doing it, and exactly. you feel that energy, and you feel that. And there's also, I mean, the fall, there's all these kinds of, I feel like, creative prompt, like NaNoWriMo, um, National Novel Writing Month, for those of you Courtney, who Courtney, not. you're getting ahead of yourself. That's oh, not until the season. Okay, <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> all right, well. No, no, absolutely right, absolutely right. I think that, you know... We t- kind of tend to take a break in the summer, mm-hmm. even if you do a residency, it's for like two it's weeks, it's for a month, you know, <laughs> you know uh, but we take all our vacations in the mm-hmm. summer. And so a lot of times writers need things to help jumpstart them to kick them back into writing. So we'll talk more about that later in the show. But many writers are teachers yep. of creative writing. And I'm because, you know, we're all bringing in the big bucks from our, <laughs> from our books and so poems. <laughs> no, but I think. You know, it's a natural progression from writing is to want to, like, help 
uh, other aspiring writers? Absolutely. Well, and as we always say, like being around a community of writers makes our own works that much stronger. You have people to talk about it with and bounce things off of. And when you're trying to articulate a concept or a how-to to to someone, it really makes you rethink how you do it. Absolutely. That's that's the key point right there. I was going to say about articulating. As Mm -hmm. writers, that's what we do. We articulate our experiences. (laughs) Like, we attempt to articulate Mm -hmm. everything. And something about the act of articulating changes your experience of it. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you're uh, teaching creative writing and you create a curriculum and you think about the books you love, you have to think about why Why? you love them. Yeah, what What is the What are the authors doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how are they achieving it? What makes them successful? What makes other writers not successful? And in thinking about all of those things, you improve your own writing. Absolutely. Because then when you go to sit down to the page, you have all that stuff at the front of your mind instead of just subconsciously. Yeah, I was. I haven't taught a a formal class in a while, and I didn't do a creative. I did like composition ones, which is very different, you know. Um, but even something like that, breaking mm-hmm. things down into the essential elements mm. of, of grammar, a sentence. Yeah, it yeah. makes you. It makes you review things differently in your mind. Yeah, I'm totally a grammar nerd. I love studying grammar. Like, well, because it can change the whole rhythm. It changes everything. The story, which then changes the whole perception. And it's of like the, the story. T- it's like we're carpenters, and those are our tools. Yes. Grammar and vocabulary mm-hmm. are our tools. So we're obsessed with. I mean, I am at least <laughs> learning new words, uh, getting the like tiny, tiniest details of grammar mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had an example on hand because there are so so many good ones. Oxford comma or no. Girl, you know that we are opposed on this issue and I don't want to talk about it. I had to go there just for a second. (laughs) You know, I find that's something that people bring up in online dating profiles all the time. I swear to you. It's hysterical. Like, I can tell you how many profiles I've read that say fan of the Oxford comma or like Oxford comma swipe left. I'm like, what? Really? I feel that though. I feel that. You know, it's like a mechanic a being line. attached to like a specific it's a make or break. <laughs> I don't know. I anyway. love it. Well, we asked um, we asked our community to tell us about their experiences teaching and how it affects yes. their writing. And one of our interloopers, Indigo Erickson, sent this in. My students inspire me to write all the time. My name is Indigo Erickson. I'm an associate professor of English at Northern Virginia Community College, the Woodbridge campus, and a doctoral student of writing and rhetoric at George Mason University. When I moved back to the United States after living in Mexico and Guatemala for three years, I moved to Oakland, where I was attending Mills College to get my MFA in writing, and then later San Francisco State University for my Master's of Arts in Comparative Literature. When I was living in Oakland, I had this extraordinary opportunity to work with students, high school students in Richmond, which is in the East Bay of California, outside of Oakland. And I worked with them as a tutor, and I also worked with them as part of this organization called Raw Talent. And these were for poets and poets and writers and artists, all high school students. I remember 
the first time we were putting a reading together and the staff were invited to share along with the students along our shared theme. And I had written this poem that looked beautiful on the page and was like deep and insightful. <laughs> or I thought it was deep and insightful, but probably it was rubbish. Anyhow, I stood up to read it and the other poets, the high school's poets, they were trying so hard to be polite, but you could tell they did not care. And they're being so polite and they're not caring. Um, but I was like, this is not going to work. So I wrote a whole new poem, and that is when I became more of a performance poet rather than an on-the-word poet, because I wanted my writers, the other poets, to be engaged in what I was saying. And so they taught me how to read and how to write that ha in a way that has internal rhythm and rhyme and content that matters to your audience. I rewrote the poem or I wrote a whole new poem. And then when I performed it for them, rather than reading it, they were all in. Then we did our reading. And I think it was... Um, it was a fall reading, and our theme was about death and loss because a lot of our community members had been experiencing death um, of friends and family members to gang violence. And so it was a really intense and heavy reading. And so the coolest thing um, was in the spring, we did kind of this um, celebration of life or rebirth reading to honor the fall reading, but to, to do a positive kind of regenerative spin on it. And I wrote this poem that sampled lines from every single student and staff member that had read in the fall. And I did a remix, and then I added my own stuff to it. And when I got up to perform, when we were practicing, and these students heard their lines coming out of this poem, it was this magical moment where not only were they down with the content, but the content was theirs, and I was borrowing it and paying tribute to it. So that was, um, I don't know, that was a transformational moment brought to me from my students. And um, and it was such a, an honor to be able to give them back their words and to show them how deeply their words had touched me. And then... Later, I wrote a poem, um, my autobiography poem that I read a lot, and every time I read, I change it. And I wrote that first for these students of raw talent in Richmond, California, because they were sharing their trauma and their love and their joy and their magic and all of these vulnerable, intense experiences. And I wrote an autobiography po poem which talks about themes of growing up in government housing, being raised by a teenage mother, and then becoming... Um, pregnant and getting my own abortion later on when I lived in Mexico. So I wrote about all of these themes, the most vulnerable things in my life and some other content um, as a way to match what they were doing and to give back to them. No, that sounds stupid. I didn't give back to them anything. Um, as a way to honor their vulnerability, they taught me how to be vulnerable. And they taught me that poetry is for courage and for bravery and for taking risks. And so those students, they taught me how to be the poet I am today. It's as simple as that. They taught me and it was the most extraordinary experience. And now they're grown up, they're in college, they're graduating from college, they're poets and writers on their, on their own. And it's um, just the most wonderful thing to be a writer and to be involved in this community of writers and poets and to work with students who are learning from you, but are teaching you. And then you all grow up to be 
equals in this creative community, which, I mean, I can't think of anything better. Thank you. That was Indigo Erickson, and it's just so lovely to hear that anecdote from her because I know what a passionate teacher mm-hmm. she is. Yes. She is so passionate about teaching and her students and everything. It just emanates out from her. Right. <laughs> no matter what context you meet her in, she, you, can, you can feel that passion for sure. I'm, I'm like welling up, like just listening <laughs> to her. Um, yeah, and I think the key thing there, I think, is that resonated with me in your way is that idea of allowing vulnerability, which we think we do all the time as writers, right? Like right. we're like, Oh, I'm pouring my soul out onto the page <laughs> in a cagey way. Yeah. But we are so, especially as adults. Yeah. So, so guarded. It's true. Um, and the process of teaching or I guess I, I guess I, it's a conversation I don't know, but it doesn't allow for that. Yeah, it you reminds you guarded. to let your guard down a little. Or it forces you to, I think. I mean, even, I guess, as I said, I'm not teaching writing right now, but I have my students every Monday, and I've got to get up there and say something that's going to make them want to listen to what I'm saying, <laughs> or at least pretend to. And that just, like, puts you in a whole other realm of existence, I think. Yeah. Well, we're going to hear more about that in the next block. Yeah. Up next. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we are. Yeah. So exciting. <laughs> we're going to hear from someone who is really in the trenches of the classroom and how it has affected her writing. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Inner Loop Radio. We've been discussing teaching as inspiration, and joining us on the show to give us their take is Emily Mitchell. Emily is the author of the novel The Last Summer of the World and of a collection of short stories called Viral. She currently teaches at the MFA Creative Writing Program at the University of Maryland. Welcome, Emily. Hey, Emily. Hi, hi. Thanks for inviting me on the show. It's so nice to have you. So um, you've been listening to our conversation about teaching as inspiration so I'm curious what what inspired you to become a teacher of creative writing what sort of took you down that path yeah um well so I started out teaching um academic writing and literature actually before I ever taught creative Mm -hmm. writing um and I first of all just loved teaching right away um I loved seeing when like a new idea or concept became um, clear in a student's mind, like when they were able to articulate it back to me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when I, you know, when something clicked for them. Um, and I also loved being the person who got to introduce students to 
um, new writers that they connected with, um, mm, and yeah. especially especially when that connection was surprising. So, um, you know, I I always think of this example of a student from you know maybe like the third semester I ever taught, um, you know, at anything at all, um, who I was teaching an intro to literature class, um, and this student came to class every. Um, class meeting in the same Ramones t-shirt <laughs> and he had a mohawk and he had piercings and Dr. Martin's boots and um, we were reading um, you know a bunch of different things that semester but we read Pride and Prejudice and this student absolutely loved Jane Austen <laughs> <laughs> like not a thing I could have predicted you know oh. but he got the subtleties of how people relate to each other mm. that are in that book um, you know, and it was just, it was so great to have been the person who was like, here, read this. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, and so then, I mean, later I had the chance to teach creative writing, and um, I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I like it because, um, it, you know, teaching, uh, writing and reading fiction lets students think about their own experiences in a way that connects emotion and, you know, and intellect. Like mm-hmm. what they're thinking and what they're feeling in a way that can be, um, you know, like I think quite rare actually. Like mostly we're supposed to do one or the other, right? right. Think or feel. Um, and in creative writing classes, you're allowed to do both in this very kind of complex and interesting way. And the other thing is that in creative writing, you know, the class is all about reading for pleasure and enthusiasm as well as, analyze, as, well as <laughs> analyzing the text. Um, and, you know, we're asking, like, why do we enjoy this? What makes it, um, you know, an enjoyable experience? Um, and we're doing that, like, in a lot of detail. Um, and I just think that's great. Yeah, it's it's like that, that articulation of, of enjoyment and analyzing, like you said, the creative writing text. Do you find... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Do, do no, you... I mean, just, like, starting from a place where we're like, this is great. This is really interesting. You know, it, some you know it may have flaws; it may not be perfect. But what we're interested in, in is like why, what makes it good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, was what actually makes it exciting. That was my favorite part about actually creative writing classes in my MFA is mm-hmm. that we would always admit at the very beginning, like this is not perfect, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, continue on to to look at what was good about it, and I feel like that really mm-hmm. freed me in my own writing. Absolutely, to make mistakes, but know that like there's you can something dig out good, the good in this, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was, I was actually going to ask you about that, Emily, how, how does that process of, of critique, however, Mm. um, however far in you go with it, how does that affect your writing at this stage as, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something you've done for a long time, you know, the, the critique process is different for people early on in their writing career, you know, it's, it's very intimidating, but yeah, how does it affect you now? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, so, I mean, one thing is that it's because it's interesting and enjoyable, it takes time, but it gives energy, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so, uh, you know, I find that during the semester, even though I have less time, I can still kind of come to my writing um, wanting to do it because of what's happening in the classroom, you know, because it's interesting and inspiring, um, I, you know, and then the other thing is, I think it makes me read, you know, both my own, well, you know, certainly my own work in a more careful way. Um, you know, I talk about a novel or a story with students and I have to take it apart to see how it works. Um, and, you know, and then I can hopefully help them do the same thing, but also help myself. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and then also um, the, the writing of my students very often is extremely inspiring, you know. Um, I get to work with these amazing graduate students who are so talented and interesting. Um, you know, and then I also work with undergrads, and in every single one of those classes, there's, you know, there's one sometimes, you know, even more students whose work is already showing really great promise, mm -hmm. um, you know, even, you know, even though they're so young and, and, um, yeah, I'm curious, it's what, just do, you, exciting. what yeah. do you think young writers, what is it, you know, what does their work have to offer that maybe a more seasoned writer, you know, we have, we all re read mm. the more seasoned writers in books in the well-established, you know, mm. world, but what about this raw sort of younger writer? What do they have to offer that established writers don't? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're just coming into the world as it is right now and seeing it for the first time, you know. And so, I mean, obviously, if you're a college student, you've been around and aware of things for a little while, but not that long. And so they bring, like, a fresh view of things that mm -hmm. maybe when you're older you take for granted. Mm -hmm. um, and I think especially at the moment, you know, when there's a lot of turmoil and change, for somebody who's, you know, who's... who's a bit older like that can be incredibly useful it can sort of reset your perspective yeah. um in ways that are i think really generative for fiction yeah yeah that's lovely um so do you have something to share with us we'd love to hear an example of your work yeah i do absolutely so i'm working on a new collection of short stories um Yay. and Yay. um <laughs> And, you know, and I, I found that a lot of them have turned out to be kind of speculative fiction, cool. um, which is something I've always loved, but, you know, but haven't written a lot of. Um, and so I thought I would read just the very first part of a story, um, which is about a patient who goes in for what they think is going to be a tonsillectomy. Um, but it doesn't turn out that that's what happened. Uh -oh. um, so <laughs> the story is called The Assistant. Um, should I go ahead? Yeah, please. Okay, okay. Hello, good morning. Welcome. Don't try to get up. You're still dazed from the anesthetic and perhaps a bit disoriented, too. It's best if you just lie back and relax until those sensations subside. You've been through surgery, and though I can assure you it went very smoothly, it will take you a while to recover. Fortunately, there's no rush. You can take whatever time you need to rest and get your bearings before you try to sit or stand or walk. Unless, of course, that time exceeds the clinic's maximum allowance of 72 hours, at which point you'll need to vacate this bed or face additional fees and penalties of an amount to be determined at that time. But let's cross that river when we come to it. Also, please try not to talk. It will be painful, and because of the swelling on the right side of your face, you'll be extremely difficult to understand. It's better not to say anything for a while. It's inconvenient, I know, but the situation will get better in a few hours. The doctor will be here to check up on you sometime soon. In the meantime, why don't I introduce myself? We'll be spending a lot of time together from now on. I am the Ameliorex Neurostar Diamond 3000, and I just want to start by thanking you for choosing me to be your fully integrated subcutaneous assistant. At Ameliorex, we know 
you have a wide array of digital implants you can choose from. And that's why I'm so honored you've decided out of all the possibilities to trust in me. I'm confident you won't be disappointed. You and I are about to embark on an exciting and fulfilling new adventure, one that will transform your life and help you take your work, play, and relaxation to the next level. Just think about it. Back in the first decades of the century, there was no alternative to your clunky old smartphone. How many hours of your life did you spend searching for it around in your home or in your bag or purse or retracing your steps because you'd left it somewhere? In your car or on the table of the restaurant where you ate dinner last night, how many times did you drop it and crack the screen? Now you're free of all that. No more searching endlessly for where you left your phone. No more waiting for the app you need to open. No more staring at a tiny pixelated screen, giving yourself eye strain. No more distractions while you're trying to walk or drive. All that is behind you. Instead, I'll be here to help seamlessly manage all the aspects of your busy schedule. Organize your time. Maximize your productivity. Set priorities, provide timely reminders of appointments, or in the case of our court-mandated users, give legally required warnings and deliver some mild to moderate negative conditioning. I'll be here to give you all the information that you need to keep up with the accelerating pace of today's competitive professional environments and get the most out of your leisure time. Plus, thanks to my patented Intuitron extension, my personality will adapt as I get to know you and your tastes and preferences um, over the coming weeks will be more harmonious with your own. Basically, I can do everything except actually read your mind. Thanks. <laughs> oh, oh that, that is appropriately terrifying yes. for the month of October. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, Thanks. and Emily, everyone, I'm sure you've talked to them too, but like all the healthcare provider professionals who I've talked to in recent years, they're like, it's mm. all going automatic. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> there's this you know it's happening yeah 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 I think that I have to hurry up and publish this or it'll have already happened right (laughs) oh man well we're looking forward to seeing it yeah really looking forward yeah thank you thank you so so much much, Emily for being on the show with us yeah have a great rest of the semester yeah thanks you're very welcome talk to you soon up next Inktober. What is that? You'll have to stay tuned to find out. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live at the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. We turn now to our action-oriented part of the show, and I want to talk about writing prompts. You know, I still stand behind writing prompts. You stand behind them? I do. Well, I've been telling Courtney and pretty much anybody who asked me about my, my writing that I've given up on my memoir. Just kidding. I haven't given <laughs> no, you up. haven't. I just, you're I, too deep in. I, you're, you're, you're putting on pause. It's true. I'm 50 pages in, so it'd be very sad if I gave up. But I'm putting it on pause, and my new writer goal is to be as wide, like, varietal and prolific as possible. Great. I just want to write everything. Diversify your portfolio. Diversify it. Okay, so I bought this book <laughs> about... 
called Writing Prompts, um, a year of creative writing prompts. So there are 365 writer, writing prompts. That's, you know, the, three, the, di- three per day, actually. So there's like. That's a lot. That's oh. more than, that's like triple that. <laughs> yes. is it? Whatever that number is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, the writing prompts uh, were, well, I was going to say they're not very good, but. They're just not my style. But that forced you out of your comfort zone, This right? is what my partner said, who's a screenwriter, and he <laughs> loves everything plot-driven, okay? Yeah. So I told him about this writing prompt that Courtney and I wrote on, and we're about to read to you from them. And I was like, so I just took it in my own direction and pretty much ignored the plot line they gave me. And he's like, why did you do that? Yeah, I mean, me too. That's what we do, though. That's what I said! As writers, we write about the things that we write about. And right. really, everything else the is The prompt just... is just to spark it. It exactly. doesn't necessarily have to follow. Exactly. But it, like, gets the wheels turning. That was my point. Yeah. And he was like, no, you need to get outside of your comfort zone. That is getting you need to outside. Stop writing the same thing. <laughs> all this depressing shit. Oh, maybe. I, well, I didn't. Mm. Mine sounds like me, for sure. <laughs> Mine is totes me. Okay. I want to uh, tell you what the writing prompt yes. is, though, because it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and I'm really excited to hear what Courtney had to say um, in hers. So the, the writing prompt was, a star falls in a family's backyard, only it's not a star, but a very friendly alien. So obviously, I just took out the whole alien. Right. Ob- yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Same, same. <laughs> I was like, mm, nope. James was like, why? I mean, I maybe like, it'll come back in aliens. at some point. That I only got like a page in, so who knows? It's not coming back in. All right. But anyway, do you want to go first? You, you seem um, ready. Yeah, sure. I can. I can do that. Um, okay. So it does. It's this is untitled alien. Untitled on alien. Alien. <laughs> alien A. Um, we'd been watching this guys for since before I could remember. We weren't professionals or anything like that. No telescopes or fancy equipment like Alan across the street had. Just Dad and I sitting on the back porch, late summer and the heat pushing all around us, the cicadas whining and the trees gossiping every time the still air caught a paper cut of a breeze. Riverside, small town, and the light pollution could have been worse, so when the smog wasn't rolling down from New York, we could see pretty well, well enough at least to mark out the dippers. The dog patrolled the yard, pausing occasionally to lift his nose and tilt an ear parallel to the ground, attending to some rustle under the surface that we couldn't hear or sense. Mom said he was warming, that he could feel them sliding through the soil beneath his paws and it drove him crazy. He didn't seem crazy, he seemed curious. There were so many things moving through the night that we couldn't see, so we turned to the ones we could. Tonight it was Antara's I had my eye on. It was maybe cheating a little because it's one of the brightest in the night sky, but it wasn't really the magnitude of Antar's glow that drew me in. A soft red pulse at the center of the Rachnidian constellation, the star earned itself the nickname the Heart of Scorpio. And that's what I would, and that is what I couldn't break my gaze from. Not Antar's itself, but the idea that somewhere outside of any body, human or otherwise, existed a heart a thing that simultaneously kept rhythm with the cicadas, the trees, the worms in the ground, the dog's wet nose, my hand absently scratching at the mosquito at my shin, and with a universe well beyond any of that. Lovely. The end. It does sound very <laughs> much like you. I and I feel, And I fear that ours are going to be quite similar. <laughs> 
Because we both have dogs in there. <laughs> yeah. And we both talked about a star, like yeah. a specific star in the sky. That one is also relevant to my new tattoo. I actually, right. yes. But yeah, Antares is on my arm and it Lovely. has to do with my dog and all these things. Anyway. Okay. I'm going to read mine real quick. Do it. Running out of time. This is, this is called Sirius for now. Sirius. S-I-R-I-U-S. Uh, yes. Not also Sirius. like Sirius Radio. But like Sirius Radio? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Sirius, the dog star, sank lower in the sky with each new dawn. Audrey gazed out of her kitchen window as the morning star danced in multicolored light and the percolator gurgled. She was usually called back into this world from the land of dreams by the incessant repetition of her newly adopted name hollered at random intervals in varying octaves by her toddler dawn. Mama, mama, mama. But this morning, she was awoken by the clicking shuffle of her 15-year-old husky, Persephone. While Dawn still slept soundly with her thumb plugged between her lips, Sefi couldn't get comfortable. She paced the hall outside their bedrooms, her long toenails tapping the hardwood floors with every step. Audrey was a light sleeper, and once she was drawn from sleep, she couldn't return. Click, 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 Sefi paced. Click, 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 sigh. Sefi sank down onto one hip briefly, then stood up again. Click, click, click. Fine, Audrey thought. I'm awake. The percolator heaved a final sigh, and its red light clicked on. It's ready. Audrey filled her mug. Sefi snored slightly beside Audrey on the couch, finally comfortable. Before this house, before her toddler, before her partner, all Audrey had was Sefi. Sefi arrived all extra skin and eagerness on Audrey's 18th birthday and accompanied her through her tumultuous 20s. Sefi was the failed last-ditch effort of Audrey's then-fiancé to fuse their futures together. When the engagement dissolved, Audrey felt like a single mother to an energetic and needy puppy. Sefi's paws twitch in a phantom sprint. She's going to die any day now. Audrey had always been vaguely embarrassed about Sefi's name as it betrayed her teenage angst and rebellion. But people always seemed to like the name Persephone, wife of Hades, goddess of the underworld. The mythological god spent half of her time in the underworld and the other half with the living. But how much of her time did she spend between worlds? Sirius is long gone by by the time the sun makes his appearance and Audrey gets her second cup of coffee. Sefi is splayed over the length of the couch when Audrey returns to the living room, so Audrey sits in the rocking chair left over from Dawn's infanthood instead. Now Dawn is comforted by an endless selection of toys, crowding every corner of her playroom adjacent to the living room. One hundred Legos sitting together in a plastic Lego-shaped box. Crayons of all different sizes tucked into a shimmering pencil case. Construction paper stacked just out of reach. Wooden blocks piled in an old oatmeal tin. Paints nestled under a heavy toy box lid. Each tiny plastic piece of each themed playset secured tightly in its tiny plastic divot. In the play kitchen, pots and pans are lined up in the cabinet under the fake stove. Cups are stacked on the shelf beside the fake microwave. Fake utensils are bundled together in the fake sink, and even the fake dish towels are folded into perfect rectangles and hang evenly from the fake cabinet door handles. (laughs) Only those psycho moms can keep track of all the pieces of children's toys. Her therapist once said, when Audrey worried aloud about the chaos that a child would bring. (laughs) Now she worries about the damage she has done to her child when she sees Dawn clean up for fun. (laughs) When Dawn is given crayons to draw, she prefers to dump all of them out and then carefully replace each one, pointed side up, back into the box. She requests Audrey fill her fake pots with water so she can spill the water and then clean it up with her fake dish towels. 
She runs around the playroom dumping toys out of their vessels just so she can put them away again. What had Audrey done to her poor child? Nothing compared to what she'd done to Sefi, Audrey thought. Mm. There's a lot there. I There's could so unpack, much. But like, I'm not going to go there. Um, yeah, so Inktober is a writing prompt a day for 31 days. Yep. And there are a bunch of different writing prompts. And my partner, James, who's a, a screenwriter, is doing a short for each prompt cool. a day. There are also um, like writing prop calendars you can get. You just like, literally turn the page. You poets and writers. You don't have to go to poets one. and writers. You're gonna go to our Instagram. Oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Turning this upside down. <laughs> at the at the inner loop lit L I T on Instagram, and we're gonna give you a writing prompt a day. Oh, are we? <laughs> <laughs> this is news to or me. Maybe we'll just share other people's writing prompt. <laughs> Well, so there's two things too, though, right? Um, my visual artist friends are doing Inktober in a different way, where they do a ink sketch a day. So this yeah. is just a creative. It's month. for all, like, yeah, all artists. Yeah, um, because I know a friend who's doing this with a visual artist, and she's using the awesome. prompts to make make a thing every day, a, a little, and like, any kind of a thing. thing. So today's today's prompt is cast into time. Ooh, and for more. Visit, visit us on Instagram at the That's our show. Join us in two weeks right here on Full Service Radio or anytime on your favorite podcasting app. And to find out more about us or submit to read at our next event, visit us at www.theinnerlooplit.com. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Koontz, and our theme music is by Andrew Logan. Thanks again to Emily Mitchell for joining us on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. I'm always hounding you for reviews, but really, I really, 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 really want you to review us. (laughs) Um, We love you and hope you love us. Uh, So don't forget to subscribe. 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 So you never miss an episode. Happy writing. Happy Inktober. Get out there and do it. Write something today. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.